first scripture that we're going to read is from Philippians, or sorry, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. And it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Second scripture is Galatians 5, chapter 16 through 23. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Thank you very much for the word of the Lord. The younger you are, the quicker the heart passes. And the older you get, the more tricks I've got. The more naive you stay, the easier I can stand. And the wiser you are, the more sly I become. The stronger you get, the more I attack. I am sin. We're in a series right now on the seven deadly sins. Now these, instead of being individual sins, are really motivational sins. Jesus Christ got to the very heart of what sin was on his Sermon on the Mount. Those who were trying to justify themselves by their works would say, well, I haven't killed anybody, and I've never cheated on my wife. Therefore, I have not broken those commandments. Jesus says, you've been told, do not murder, but I tell you, do not be angry with your brother. The one who's angry with his brother is guilty of the sin of murder. And if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery with her. The motivational sins, these are the things, sins that, bleed, that um, bleed out into other areas of our life. I show this video right here. I love this series on I Am Sin. Because so many times we look at certain sins and we're like, those are the safe sins. Or those aren't the sins I worry about. And the devil loves that because the devil looks at that and you like, you want that. You think you're so strong, let me test you and see what happens. With today's sin that we're going over is greed. 
And when, it, when I was thinking about doing this sermon to this week, I was thinking, how do I present greed? Because most of the time when we think of greed, we think, well, if I'm not rich, I don't deal with greed. Well, theologian John Owen said, the seeds of every sin is in every heart. The seeds of every sin is in every heart. Galatians 5 agrees with this. While you probably gravitate towards some and avoid others, the seeds, the impulses of these sins are in you. When we look at the deadly sins, we may think we, we, uh, we only have to worry about some and we can ignore others when we couldn't be more wrong. That's what the enemy wants us to think. Well, I have a problem with anger, so I don't need to worry about something like grief. In Galatians chapter 5, it doesn't say grief by name, but it talks about idolatry, serving other gods. And Colossians 3, 5 says idolatry. Grief is idolatry. What is grief? Greed has swallowed nations, killed entire people groups, led, led to America's greatest shame, slavery, torn family apart, families apart, started wars, broken up marriages, turned sons against their fathers, daughters against their mothers, shattered hearts, raised entire cities to the ground. Greed is a killer. When it comes to greed, uh, when it comes to the sins that originate in our hearts, I hope we understand by now that there's a wide range of actions that come from these sins. Last week I talked about anger, wrath, and how there was at least three different ways, sinful ways we can express anger. You have aggressive, the person who punches the wall and breaks their hand, right? And probably doesn't punch a person. We have the passive person who has a smile on their face every day and they die at 40 because the waitress didn't put... Um, didn't put uh, bananas on their waffles. We have the passive-aggressive, the person who's always sarcastic, always talking behind someone's back. When it comes to greed, we tend to think, we tend to only think, can you go my first slide, you know what I'm talking about? No, we think of Scrooge McDuck, right? <laughs> We're like, well, I don't, have, I don't have my tower of money, or we think of Gordon Gecko. Good thing, well, I, I guess... I was going to say, it's good thing nobody's wearing suspenders. If somebody is, I don't want to draw attention to it. Um, you see Wall Street, he says, greed is good. We think of those things, we're like, okay, well, I don't have that kind of money. I'm not like that, so I don't have to worry about greed. You know, I don't have this, like, pool of money to dive into. You know, I always wonder, like, I love DuckTales, and I'm like, have you tried that? And you break every bone in your body. But it's nothing. When we think of greed, we have a very narrow view of what greed is. What I'm preaching to you today, the seeds of this are in every human heart. Today, when you saw what I was preaching about, maybe you thought, well, I can tune this out, this is not my problem. Or maybe you were excited, you're like, finally, Pastor Jason's going to take those rich jerks on Wall Street to task. Well, none of them are greed, so I'm not preaching to them. Greed is much bigger, more deceptive. That. I like that video right there. The more wise you get, the more sly I get. The stronger you are, the more I attack. And you may, you may think that, no, I don't have to worry about this, but I'm betting dollars to donuts. This beast is sitting on your doorstep. Are you greedy? Colossians 3 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed which is idolatry, meaning to serve another God. The word for greed in Colossians is plenexia. Plenexia, it sounds like a, you know, a pharmaceutical drug, right? 
It's like, oh, having joy and happiness, take flex seal. Side effects are miserable, pitiful life. Um, and that's also the benefits. Plexia. Plexia is the Greek word for greed that is used here. It's interesting because it's become a whole philosophical, um, uh, philosophical, philosophical concept. It means the desire, the inexhaustible, inexhaustible desire to have more and more and more. There's a story about John Rockefeller being asked by a reporter, how much money is enough? His response was, just a little more. Plexia, it goes beyond is simply the, the desire to want more. It also is the Greek version of basically schadenfreude. Those of you who don't know what that word is, um, it's, the, uh, it's the joy you have at the misfortune of others. So if we're playing Monopoly and you land on one of my hotels, I might shout out schadenfreude. I'm about to win. <laughs> it's the Greek version of schadenfreude, meaning to have you... It's not like you just desire to have more and more. You desire to have more and more at the expense of others. Now, that's not precisely what greed is in our context. It's just, it's just that inexhaustible desire to have more and more and never to be satisfied. But there is a vicious form of greed, right? To where it looks to take from others. It's idolatry. Paul in Colossians says that greed, greed is like serving another god. In Galatians, it puts idolatry in the middle of the acts of the sinful nature. There is a wider and deeper connection to the fallen humanity when it comes to greed that goes far beyond spiritual death. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In some of your translations, it's money. You know what it is? It's a disbelief that God truly is Yahweh Jireh. Those of you who remember my series on the names of God, Yahweh Jireh, God is my provider. And its connection is to the greatest thing He's provided, His Son. But we truly believe that God provides for our needs. Or do we? Or do we trust in them? We trust in those things in our own ability. When we talk about money, the thing about money, you know why money is so much, why money, why Jesus says, where our money is, that's where our heart is, because money is the energy of our life being physical. I hated when I found this out in my life, you know, you, you remember when you were growing up and you found out the value of a dollar? It was your first job. And I remember I went to the movies, and we're going to a stupid movie. Uh, it was that angry Hulk movie, and I was really disappointed with it. And afterwards, I came out of the movie and I told my friend, that was an hour and a half that I spent on that movie. <laughs> From that point on, I told my friend, I, the only way I can like, work now is I have to think like some horrible person is forcing me to do it, and I get like, the little benefit of the money, instead of looking at the money as like the reward for my work. Because it, it just became, I became <coughs> definitely too, I just didn't want to spend money on anything. I was like, that was an hour I could be doing something else. <laughs> we see examples of greed all the time, right? Bernie Madoff was an American financier who was the executive of the largest Ponzi scheme in history, defrauding thousands of investors out of tens of billions of dollars over the course of 17 years and possibly longer. He also was a corrupt pioneer of the electronic trading and chairman of the NASDAQ in the early 1990s. He is the poster boy for greed in America. And you may not have known this. In fact, I did not when I started writing this. Sermon. This last Wednesday, he died in prison. 
He had built people out of billions of dollars, and he died penniless in prison. Greed, I mean, all of sin, right, is a liar that says, I will give, I will give, and it just takes and takes and takes. He, was, he died in prison on April 14, 2021, while serving a 150-year sentence for money laundering, security fraud, and several other kinds of felonies. When we look at greed in our culture, it's not just at that top level either. Maybe we think of shoplifters. You know, there's always that ethical question of, like, would you steal a loaf of bread to uh, save your family from starvation? We have, you know, les miserables. I can't say it. I'm not going to say the French word. Les mis. Um, and uh, Jean Valjean steals a mouthful of bread. But, so when I was younger, something to, to tell you all. So when I was, when I was like, a preteen and, and younger than that, I was a little thief. Uh, I shoplifted all the time. And I not, never shoplifted a loaf of bread in my life. I would steal, you know, things I wanted. And, you know, having, having um, been a youth pastor for a number of years, worked in a treatment facility, I knew a lot of people who shoplifted, and they never shoplifted the things they needed, they just shoplifted the things they wanted. It's just not a greed. It was just, I want it, so I'm taking it. And it's never enough, and that's why they got caught, and that's why they were in the facility that I was a counselor in. If, you know, we, you know, we think of it as, you know, five-figure discount, or as, as a... Jimbo on The Simpsons said a victimless crime of punching somebody in the dark. What it is, <laughs> it's greed. Terrible is when we all see scammers. You know, there's always a scam going on. You get the email about the prince from Moldovia who just needs a couple hundred bucks to you know, gain possession of his uh, vast fortune. But And that's funny. Most people realize that. But there's this really heinous scam going on against our elderly population. What happens is the scammer will call somebody, once again, normally somebody who is, you know, over the age of 80. So someone who's obviously in retirement on a fixed income, and they will tell them, hey, I'm from Microsoft, and i got great news for you. Um, you overpaid for your subscription, but we owe you 200 bucks. And so what they'll do is they'll, they'll convince them to put TeamViewer or some other kind of sharing software on their computer, and they'll walk them through how to redeem this $200. What the person doesn't realize, all they're seeing is a Photoshop version of their desktop, and uh, they put in, they're told to put in the amount that they're going to get, and then while they're doing that, the person pops up on the screen, instead of 200 now it's, you know, $2,000 or $20,000, and they say, oh, sir, madam, I'm going to lose my job, my kids are going to starve to death, please make this right, please make this right. And the poor person out of a sincere heart will do anything, right? So they tell them to take out, you know, $1,800 in cash, and then FedEx it in a book to a certain location. Those of you who are in the know, that basically almost makes it untraceable. It almost is like almost a purpose scam. And this poor person, grandma and grandpa, now can't afford food for the rest of the week, because they've given this money to the scammer, they don't realize it, it gets to a certain location, and someone in the United States who's working with the scammer picks up the boat to send the money overseas to the person who's scamming. And I, I don't know why, you know, I probably should be angry at the scammer, but I'm angry at the person who's in the United States who's doing this. Yeah. <coughs> I saw a video of a person being confronted, like, oh, I don't know, I don't know anything about this. Little did they know that the, the box that they had had a camera in it and, a, and an audio device, they knew all about it, they just didn't care. They just want to get a cut of the money. Greed. We live in a culture of greed because we live in a culture of debt. We currently live in a culture that pushes and pushes and pushes debt. Whatever you want can be yours right now. Just sign this paper 
You know the future you worry about it. It's like what the philosopher Homer Simpson said while drinking equal parts mayo and vodka. That's a problem for future Homer. Man, I don't envy that guy. During the pandemic, I wonder how many people were sitting home watching ads and started to believe they needed something, which they didn't. That they had to have it now, which they didn't. And they had to go into debt, which they didn't. And they had to do it right now, because of course you do. Because if you wait a few months, you'd realize, no, I don't really need a hug. In 2013, bank robbers hit over a few banks over in South Los Angeles. The bank robbers then started, during the high-speed chase, started throwing out cans full of cash out the window. It's a high-speed chase. So you have other cops who are following this person going 80 miles an hour, and people are running out in the middle of the road to grab money. Mammon? The word that Jesus uses for money there, mammon, it's been linked to several Canaanite deities. It is a capricious, jealous God that demands your own life. It demands every part. It is not satisfied because it is that ever, ever increasing desire to have, to have, to have. The most prolific and heartbreaking, in my opinion, examples of greed in our culture today there's a new social media network that I'm not going to say the name of because I don't know why people do this. Might as well put a URL while you're at it. It has everything to do with people selling their sexuality. More than, every, more than ever, ordinary people, not what you would maybe call porn stars or pornographers, are selling their sexuality. Mothers, fathers, teachers, nurses, people from every walk of life join the social network in order to make a couple bucks. There's no bit of dignity that mammon does not want. Pastor one time said, there's no aspect of human life that God who saw us overall does not look at in the same line. When it comes to mammon, there's no aspect of you or your life that he does not look at in the same line. There are more than one type of greed. When we think of greed, and we should, because really the focus in the scripture would be money, but there are more types of greed than that. We may think I'm fine with money, but you might find out today during this sermon that you are actually failing in one of these other areas and you are being greedy over things that you should not. I know for me this week, this is something I've been dealing with, wrestling with God. Seek me. Search me. Where have I gone? Where am I weak here? Make me strong where I am weak. Money, of course, is the obvious type of greed. In fact, it might all come down to money in the end. Jesus said, where your, where your money is, that's where your heart is. Many people think that if you don't have a lot of money, you can't be greedy. You know, if only that were true. But many of the examples I gave you range in vast swath of socioeconomic backgrounds. Furthermore, very few people think they are rich. When movie stars talk about the rich, they are thinking of their producers. When rock stars are, when rock stars are thinking about rich people, they're thinking of movie stars. When the manager at the plant thinks of people who are rich, they're thinking of rock stars. And people from around the world think of you. Yes, you. That's rich. Hey, honestly, in America, we look better than the kings of Cars. You know, if you, if you, back, you know, back in the 15th century, if you wanted Chinese food, it would have been quite a difficult process. You would have to get an army together to, to brave the roads. You would have to travel years and years off your life. 
And that's a that's a big price for general the general's chicken, right? <laughs> but today you can go over to the Chinese restaurant and experience a portion of life they never have. We are rich in ways we could never possibly think of. Just drinking clean water that we have reasonable assurance of. Man, rich. To whom much is given, much is expected. You know, it's sad. I wish that you know we could say you know in in, in areas of church we never have to worry about greed, but it's not the case. And in, in money, um, I remember that during two thousand and eight. Um, I was living in Chicago at the time. I was working at Target. And the ladies uh, in soft lines got to the break room before me. So I'm saying all that to say is that I was watching Oprah. So stop judging me. Um, but I was watching Oprah. And um, Oprah, she had these. Uh, she had this pastor and pastor's wife. Uh, and uh, they were on there because they had lost a significant amount of their, of their savings in the economic downturn. Now, what's interesting about this, I mean, Warren Buffett said you only lose money in the stock, stock market if you're impatient. Stocks went back up. But anyway, they had lost about 40% of their savings, their retirement. And I'm not, I'm not insensitive to that. That would be, that'd be difficult. What I couldn't believe is them sobbing on national TV like they lost a child. We're talking about money. And I don't know if you guys know who Susie Orton is or not, but um, she's... She's not somebody who's very sensitive to those kinds of things. She's very money-focused, but it was crazy for her to tell them it's only money. To a pastor. It's only money. To be reminded by the heathens, I, mean, I don't know what Susie's thing is, but basically she wasn't coming from a spiritual standpoint. She's like, it's only money, and you still have a lot left. You still have time. Consequently, I was watching 60 Minutes one night, and it was they were doing an expose on this church who had told their, who told their parishioners that they owned, they owned a gold mine in the Middle East, that somehow it got gold from sand or whatever scam it was. And it was a scam, it was a Ponzi scheme, much like Bernie Madoff, in which old investors are paid by new investors, except this is a church that was taken advantage of. It kind of got my eye up. And I started seeing red and watching the show. And they were interviewing this older couple, older than the other couple that was on Oprah, who had lost all of their life savings. And they're like, well, how do you feel? And they're like, well, you know, how did they put it? It's like, well, we don't have any hatred in our heart for our former pastors. They had such a spirit of joy about them, of happiness. The person's like, how can you be like that? They're like, our God supplies all our needs. Amen. I was like, thank you for that. After the Oprah thing, I needed to have some of that. You can be greedy for attention or fame. The greed over attention in, in our society is startling. Andy Warhol said, in the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. I don't understand how Andy Warhol knew about YouTube and Instagram all that time ago. That is a constant hustle of the younger generations, mine especially. In fact, I'm pretty sure when people in my generation are angry or, or, or think TikTok is stupid, it's only because they're so jealous that, you know, people in the 90s couldn't see our awesome Macarena moves online. <laughs> Constant hustle for fame and attention, and it's never, never, never ending. The greed for fame is never ending, and it's extreme. People eat Tide Pods, mutilate their flesh, punch strangers in the park go into massive debt for fame. How about possessions? Now, possessions sounds a lot like money, right? But you do not need to have a lot of money to have a lot of possessions. 
I have watched hundreds of episodes of Porters. Let me tell you, very few of them have any money whatsoever to speak of, but they are possessed by their possessions. Yes. Quite a lot of it is mental illness, but quite a lot of it too is just trusting the things in our life to bring us happiness. What a sad deal. Do not let your possessions possess you. If everything in your house burned up while we were in church today, and some of you might want to be like, you're opening your own resources. Of course, it'd be sad. I wouldn't like it. You'd lose photo albums, but would it be like losing a child? Recognition. When going through articles on grief this week, one article said that one telltale sign that someone is dealing with grief is they always have to take credit for everything good. Whether they had a hand in it or not, can you be greedy for recognition? Yep. Always concerned that you are getting your due. People need to know that you did X, Y, and Z, because why else would you do X, Y, and Z? Maybe you even steal the credits for a project because you spent a few minutes on it. You didn't contribute anything, but you spent a few minutes on it. Well, that's two cents for buying and stealing. A two for one deal. Power. Or perhaps I should say control. This is the person who is greedy over the time and anonymity over someone else. They don't do what you want for you, so you throw a fit. We don't call it a fit, though. It sounds more like this. After everything I did for you, you can't even... Or, I am the boss, and you have to do what I tell you to do. In ministry circles, you place boss or pastor. You might see a lot of people very greedy for power and control. The white witch in um, the Chronicles of Narnia, her name is Jarvis. So this is a spoiler alert if you're reading the Chronicles of Narnia. Anyway, her name is Jarvis. And uh, she comes from a land in which she is one of the co-rulers, and she kills everyone in her land with something called the deplorable word. And if people are with her, then that's a bit rough on your, your subjects. And she's like, who cares? They were there. They were there for me. But that's a hard thing, right? Everything around you is for you. You be greedy over power and over control. That you see this rip apart families, friendships, relationships. One verse that's constantly taken out of not out of context in this quarter period is First Timothy six ten. Most people know this verse as money is the root of all evil, but that's not what it says. Here, verse ten: For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. Verse 9 frames this well. It says that there were some who desired to be rich. You've probably met such people. I hope you're not one. It's the person who always has a scam. So get rich quick scheme, and finally they will be lifted up to where they truly belong. Such people, unfortunately, are constantly poor. If they put that kind of time and energy into a job, they'd be solid in a few years. It's like George Costanza and Seinfeld. If you just simply stop trying to scam the system for more unemployment, he could really do a really good job in a, in a normal job. It would take time, but they eventually get to where they can support themselves, but not only just support themselves, also to get to those who are in need. Just because you don't have a lot of cheddar doesn't mean you're not, you can't still be a lot. We all have a sinful nature, and part of that nature desires to trust more and more and more of everything besides God. So once again, we're going to look at the three C's of sin. What is the cause of this sin? For this one, we're going to look at Judas. 
We're going to look at what is a caricature of. Let's get caricature up. Caricature is just a word that means perversion. How do you use perversion? Because as a minister, you're supposed to reiterate when possible. So C, caricature. For this, we'll look at the life of Paul. And finally, the third C, we're going to look at the cure. The cause of grief. In Lord of the Rings, Gollum, before he was some shambly creature with no hair and, you know, six teeth, he was very much like Frodo and Sam. He was one of the, rock, he was one of the river folk. He and his friend are fishing one day when his friend finds the ring. Gollum sees the ring. And what he thinks he sees is his one true love. His life, his hope, all his desires placed on him. He kills his friend, takes the ring, and is driven out. Then over the years, he becomes a shell of his former self. What causes grief? It is misordered loves. You put the love you should have for God onto other people. And it can never, ever, ever be enough. James 4.2. You desire, but you do not have. You kill, you covet. But you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You found what you really wanted. You just don't want to ask God for it because you don't want God to give it. Hebrews 13.5. Keep yourself free from the love of money. And be content with what you have, because as God has said, never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. Do you know that verse is right there with that context of not having love for money? Don't love money, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Who supplies your needs? God or man? You don't have to chase, chase, chase after the good life when you can be living in. So like I said before, we're going to look at John chapter 14, verses 4 through 6, for Judas, the most famous greedy person who's ever lived. The one who's lost more to greed than any other person will ever or could ever. Verse 4. Um, I think I've got the wrong scripture reference here. That is okay. Um, Well, if I remember the reference later, I'll let you know, but I, I actually I meant to go to when Mary Magdalene comes to break the box of pure nard onto Christ's feet. And she wipes his feet with her hair. Now, it's interesting when it comes to, it sounds like somebody yelled at me, chapter 12. Let's just go ahead and get to that. It's not as smooth as it could be, but that's okay. That's right. God, God answered it. There we go. Verses, verses 4. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bank, he used to help himself to what was put into it. He said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, you do not always have me. Mary Magdalene, we, we confuse her thoughts, like throughout history, with the harlot who came to Christ so tearful of the man who forgave her of her sins. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped his feet with her hair. We confuse her because Mary, having been there, having known this, 
takes on the person the Shiva, which is a said to whom much is forgiven, loves much. That always that always goes me away because I don't think Mary people associate. It was the biggest problem with the Pharisees because they didn't see themselves. They were the heart. They were the word. They were all these things. And Christ had forgiven them. They would love him much, but they didn't think they had much to repent for. So they didn't love him. Mary knew of what incredible mercy and grace. So she takes on the very appearance of that in the narrative. And she breaks the most expensive thing she had a year's wage and wipes wipes his feet with his hair. And Judas, Judas, he, uh, Jesus Jukes, I don't know if you're familiar with the term or not. Jesus Juking is where you're talking about some other kind of conversation, and you, uh, you, take, it, you take it to the most serious thing in Christian circles, to the, to the most Christian type thing, so you can shame the other person, so you can look righteous. So I, did, I remember one time talking with some friends, we're like, oh yeah, I can't wait to watch this movie, and one of my friends was kind of fine with I can't wait to see my, my children grow up in fear and admonition of the Lord. But like, well, that's good. <laughs> it's not like we were saying we don't. Yeah. Judas shames her. He shames her because he is greedy. He is greedy for power. He is greedy for recognition. And yes, he is greedy for money. He was a thief. He stole out of the money bank. Yet he wanted to appear as though he was righteous. Judas found out the cost of greed. Judas is the man who lost the most of greed. He lost Jesus. Peter denied, Thomas doubted, and all except one scattered. But Judas lost Jesus. Judas didn't become rich to do it either. He sold his master for 30 pieces of silver. He didn't realize he had someone much more than silver or gold. He wanted to wear his disguise. Sometimes the most greedy people can seem like the least greedy. Judas brings up the poor to hide his greed. People still do this today. Today it's much more about getting social credit than money, but the energy is the same. Why hasn't why wasn't this sold and the money given to the poor? Well, why don't you sell your stuff and give the money to the poor? It's always somebody else, right? Greed is predatory. The cause of greed here is to prey on others. He puts down Mary in order to both lift up himself in the eyes of the other apostles and to steal more money. You would not believe how much fraud, embezzling, and downright theft goes on in so many 501c3s, that is, nonprofits. That includes churches, that includes the Salvation Army, the Red Cross. It's a constant area of vigilance. Do you not believe how many people have made their millions by telling those who make thousands to give to their charitable organization they have the latest iPhone, MacBook, designer clothes, which, and I do have to admit, they do look like they came from a garbage can even if they cost 500 bucks. <laughs> they even have the best variety restaurants that condemn others for using their own money for anything other than what they think they should use it for. I think the most hypocritical example of this was Madonna for the Grammys one year was going to be literally, well not literally, um, but um, she was going to mock the crucifixion. I don't know how else to say it. She was going to mock the crucifixion because she wanted to make a point about people spend so much money on whatever and not on the poor. This gal spends $20,000 on her nails. She didn't get to tell me how to use my money. Well, 
Greed is predatory. Jesus was Judas's ladder, not his savior. Is Jesus your savior or is he your ladder? This is there's this line in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, Brutus, one of the chief conspirators. In fact, when this man stabs Judas, we have that famous line, and to Brute, and you, Brutus? When Brutus is contemplating killing this friend, we have this line, in the early stages of ambition, that humility is a ladder on which the climber mounts with his face turned upwards. Once he gets to the top rung, however, he turns his back on the ladder. For Judas, Jesus was the means to an end. Fame and fortune, he was going to be on the right side of history. And when he wasn't, he betrays his friend with a kiss. The money bag, time of trials, they prove this. If your goal is Jesus, then when times get tough, you think to him all the more, because he was the goal all along. But if he was a means to money, power, and attention, then when being a believer will mean that you will lose your house, your job, your good name. If I ladder, I don't need this one anymore. No wonder so many washed-up 90s Christian stars have been coming out as atheists, agnostics, ex-evangelicals, or whatever they want to call themselves. It just simply means that they will agree, maybe not for money, but for attention. We have to ask ourselves, is Jesus my ladder or is he my savior? I remember there was this commercial on when I was a kid. What would you do for a Klondike bar? And people would say the craziest things, right? They would climb Mount Everest, which is a bit much for chocolate and ice cream. Um, you know, they would run a marathon. They would do all these things. What would you do for money? What would you do for fame, for power, for recognition? I talked about that social network before. And one certain point of it is money, but the others, but the other part of it is fame. A post-shame culture is a greed culture. And we don't want to own, own up to that, but we sacrifice our dignity to our greed. Betrayal of a friend. What would you just do for 30 pieces of silver? He would betray his friend with a kiss. The, the, the kiss between friends, it was intimate. It wasn't just something you do greeting every person. We're told to greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay, that was their culture, not ours. I'm not kissing anybody. <laughs> when Jesus, when Judas betrays Jesus for the kiss, he could have just pointed him out. He could have done many things. It was like, hey, we're friends. Like when you hug your friend, you stab him in the back with the hands on his back. It was intimate. It was vile. What would he do for 30 pieces of silver? He betrayed his own friend. Judas made his greed sound spiritual. Why wasn't this sold and the money given to the poor? Doesn't that sound nice? I mean, that sounds righteous. It's also the language of the thief. Well, wasn't uh, why wasn't the money sold? In the, why wasn't why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? Spiritualizing our sin has grown in years, but it's the same statement. It's the same sentiment. I'm the pastor, so I need to keep up appearances. That's why the congregation needs to buy me an escalator. That is why I can use the church everything for my own personal need. I'm a child of the king, so I deserve to be treated like a king. The Pharisees had their own way of doing this. They would tithe correctly so that they wouldn't have to take care of their parents. Sorry, Mom and Dad, I guess you're going to have to thank for yourself, even though you can't work. 
because I've already been in that one into the temple. There's this story in the early church in Acts of Ananias and Sapphira. They saw other people selling their property, and they saw how they were honored in the congregation, and they're like, yeah, we could do that, and we could also keep some of the money for ourselves, but we'll tell people we gave it all, so that they can say, oh, Ananias and Sapphira, see how great they are. Close girls. They come to Peter and they tell him, oh, this is, this is all of it. You know what Peter tells them? You could do anything you want with that money. They could have kept it all to themselves, but because they were so greedy for the recognition of those around them, they were willing to lie to the Holy Spirit. They were struck dead. So what is it a caricature of? What is it a perversion of? I really struggled with this week. I didn't really have any answer for this. It really wasn't until this morning. Actually, I actually have it written down here. Greed is a perversion of true worship. Ted Deckard said that in every human being there is, there is at least one obsession. And I believe we are made to obsess when we are made to obsess over God. And we take that obsession over anything else and we destroy whatever it is. Philippians 3, 12-14 Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's a song in um, in the greatest showman, I like musicals and whatever. Anyway, I do. And uh, there's a song, Never Enough. Every time I think about it, I was like, that's the Christian's heart towards God. You know, the song goes, all the lights of, all, all the lights of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we see up in the night sky will never be enough. And she says, uh, towers of gold are still too little. These cans for gold, the whole world, it will never be enough. That's our heart. I could own the whole world, but I don't have yeah, him. I have nothing. So many problems with evangelical techniques. It was like it was like trying to add something on to the perfect life. You've got everything going on. Now just add Jesus, everything will be complete. No, if you don't have Christ, you don't have anything. I don't care if you have 3.2 kids, the, the job, the car, whatever. If you don't have Christ, you would be pitied more than any creature alive. Because I do not have the best. That's why greed persists, because it's never enough. We were meant to, to take this ambition and point it towards God. Because in worship, it satisfies as we are unsatisfied. It's a paradox, right? Because we have those times in worship and we find the completed part of who we are and what we are meant to do and believe. But it's not enough. It could never be enough. It's a godly drive. I put in my notes here that I don't really have a word for this. God gave me that word today. It's worship. There is a godly drive that you were born with in the spirit of, that you were reborn in with, in the spirit of God has, has been inside of you that cries out, Abba, Father. To become like Christ. To strive to be that way, the way that God has made you. The center is to know God and to love Him more. This is a lifelong pursuit like greed. It's never satisfied, but unlike greed, it does satisfy. It is not it is, not it is not comparative so as to lead to a more holier-than-thou attitude, but it is a greed for holiness, godliness, and closeness to Christ. An ambition to preach the gospel of Romans 
15-20. I was up last night past midnight, and I was just meditating on these things, and and um, and I had to write this down in my my phone before I lost it. I said I wrote this down. It's Adam walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. It's Abraham leaving all he knew to find a city whose builder was the Lord. It's Moses telling God, if you don't come, I am not going. Begging to catch just a glimpse of the great eye on his face. It's David making his one request that he might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's Jesus, though he and his father were one, would still sneak away to be alone with his father. It's John laying his head against the master of the last supper. It's Mary breaking the box of Cunard and washing Christ's feet with her hair. It's you and it's me and the kingdom of our king when we've been there 10,000 years but shining as the sun to know that we have let no less days to sing his praise than when we first began. It's living excellent because we've been exceeding It's making everything we do an act of worship. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with your whole being for the Lord and not for men. This, for many, leads to success. It is integrity. Even those without integrity want people with integrity around them. Who have a good attitude. Greed is the perversion of this. It seeks to work as little as possible for the most gain as possible, but not as unto the Lord. So what is the cure to greed? To this, once again, we go to Paul and worship team and come up at this point. Philippians 4, 11 and 12. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance, whether welfare or hungry, whether living in plenty or in wants. There was a book in the 90s called The Secret. It's being made into a movie, and I was threw up when I saw the trailer. It is based on the law of positive attraction. This has, the, uh, this has a perspective. If you speak it out, if you have positive thoughts, positive things will happen to your life. One of the writers of this book was asked, okay, well, what about this little girl who was tortured and murdered? Did she call that into her life? And heartlessly, he said yes. It was billed as some new ancient philosophy, but it really wasn't. It's just Jiminy Cricket philosophy repackaged when you wish upon a star. It does nothing to change your heart. So even after you get the things you want, if you get them at all, you still have no more fulfillment in you than when you first asked. You can say new Lamborghini five times every day, and even if you get the car, you're not going to want it. Either way, you won't be content with it. Not when the neighbor gets one even newer than you. The law of positive confession and positive attraction did not apply to Paul. So how does it apply to you? No matter how many times he prayed for the throne to be taken out of his flesh, it was still there. His eyesight still failed him. And one day, he literally lost his head to the headsman. He wasn't going out of prison with his head attached, but he had joy and dare I say it happens, Paul knew a much better secret than the secret It's contentment and thanksgiving. Paul, Paul could own a town or he could be in solitary confinement and his joy would be unchanged. 
Having money and being successful is not the sin. The sin is putting that in the place of God. If your goal is Christ, then whether in plenty or with little, you have joy that is unspeakable. If He is the goal, then money and things cannot change that. You may have to lie to yourself and tell yourself, why aren't, why aren't you happy after you have all these things? But if you have a godly joy, you will know contentment. As we end the service today, I have a quote from C.S. Lewis I want to share with you from the, the book Great Divorce. No soul that seriously and consistently desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. To those who knock, it will be better. As we end the service today, we'll end it as we've done it in other weeks in, in a time of worship. What a time for us to engage in the thing that the greatest perversion of. Maybe we need to have a time where we ask God, seek me, look at my life. Am I be reading over things? Maybe it is money. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's influence. How offended were you when you didn't get credit for that project at work? These are telltale signs that maybe we're dealing with something that the, the Lord wants to take his chisel and he wants us to make it more than Jesus Christ. Let him do it. There's no shame in that, right? Because we come, God already knows. I mean, I, I see the cross right here. You may think you're really well put together, you've got everything going on, but I see the cross and I know you're sitting with that yet. Let us come boldly to the throne of God because he has made the way. Worship team, would you please lift us?